MVP! 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 MVP? Sure looked like it. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. Well, I hope you took the over. A 10.5 point over seemed like a, a lot to ask for, but the Ravens crushed the Bengals in their home stadium, 49-13. to 13. It's cool to see a road win that big, even when it's not against the best team in the NFL, perhaps maybe the worst team in the NFL. <laughs> I think the biggest news to come out of this week was everyone was thinking trap game. I mean, we had come off of two really good victories against Seattle and New England, and just on paper, this is a game that the Ravens would have lost <laughs> like five, ten years ago. So to come out with a decisive victory was honestly the best news. Yeah, especially considering the obviously the Ravens played the Bengals a couple weeks ago in Baltimore. So this is the first time this season that the Ravens are going to be playing a team that's already seen Lamar, or this year's version of Lamar. Obviously, third time Cincinnati is seeing Lamar. but And that was a storyline that was being played on local radio and, and websites as, you know, what, is, what are the Bengals going to do differently this time to stop Lamar? I didn't watch game film closely enough to see what they tried to do, but whatever they did, it was worse because Lamar had an even better game. (laughs) So here's a take, guys. I know we always talked about, before the show really started, that the Ravens always played up and down to their opponents. And I've kind of seen a change in that in the last 16 games or so. And the difference with the last 16 games is that we have Lamar Jackson behind the center. And... I know he's become a leader on this team. And I'm just curious, like, I'm just thinking now, it just it literally just came in my head now. Like, do you think that he's causing this cultural change of, like, focus and, like, putting people in their place when they're bad teams? Like, if you're a bad team, we're not going to just beat you. We're going to beat you soundly. We're going to have highlight plays. Like, it, it, it's been really a nice change of pace. Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm sure he's part of the equation. I, w- I wouldn't take uh, Greg Roman out of that equation either because... I feel, obviously, last year, Lamar was a rookie, so you can't equate it perfectly, but I don't feel like the offense was starting this quick last year. I saw CBS, after the Ravens scored the first touchdown, you guys may have seen it, they put a stat up that that was the Ravens, the sixth time this year, the Ravens uh, scored on the opening drive that led the NFL. So the Ravens currently this year have the most first drive scores of anyone in the NFL. And you certainly weren't seeing that in past offenses. So I'll say whether or not Lamar is the reason is is like the guy driving the Ravens to, to that hurry up. I will say there's all very few players in the NFL who can be that effective right out of the gate. Yeah. I'm sure he's a catalyst, but he's not the only one. One thought I had from, Uh, last week's game against New England, actually. So the commentators last week had mentioned that the Patriots were really missing Rob Gronkowski and James Devlin, their fullback from this year. And I think a lot of 
what those guys had to do was really exploiting matchups and being able to pass out of running situations or run out of passing situations with these guys that were just such good players at a variety of different perspectives. And, you know, the Patriots offense, at least for the last couple of years, that really thrived with those type of players. And when I was watching the game, I kind of felt that with our players now on offense, we were kind of giving them a taste of their own medicine with players like Pat Ricard and Nick Boyle and our tight ends like Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst. All these guys, we were able to basically do the same thing that the Patriots have been doing to people for years with a very similar style of uh, of scheme and uh, matchup-based scheme. And, you know, with Lamar being this super athletic quarterback who can throw the ball very well and is just Barry Sanders like in the open field that just adds to the equation like Tom Brady was never going to be that guy but Lamar Jackson is that type of athlete to do that so I think with we have the right pieces in those players to be able to exploit the matchups and now that we have that quarterback in Lamar Jackson it's just totally elevated this and you know I think that's why we're starting to see all this success is you know, just because of that. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. I remember just giggling when Lamar Jackson goes out there, three wide out set, and his wide receivers are Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, and Mark Andrews. <laughs> and I was like, what team in the NFL is splitting out wide all three tight ends? Like, that's practically unheard of. And I believe they, I, I think they even had Ricard in, in that play. Like, <laughs> I think they just, but they had them all spread out like wide receivers. And I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. Like, it's just, it's just goofy. But it's, like you said, it's making these mismatches, and I don't think teams know what to do about it. Yeah, I mean, because it's unorthodox in today's NFL. Going back to another stat CBS flashed up during the telecast, you know, they said the Ravens currently rank dead last in wide receiver targets and, and yards, but they're first in tight end targets and yards. It's just... That's unheard of in today's NFL. I can't even think of a team over the past, you know, two decades that has run an offense where you have three legitimate tight end receiving options and, you know, they're three of your top four targets. I mean, I would say right now I would only put Hollywood Brown as a better receiving threat on this team than Nick Boyle or Hayden Hurst. And the only reason I say he's he's not as good of a receiving threat as Mark Andrews right now is because he's not at 100% as good as Mark Andrews is when Hollywood's 100%, he's going to be, you know, he's going to be next level. But I think it's really interesting that the Ravens have been able to do this for so long. Going back to, to last year, it looked different, but it was still a lot of that as well. And hey, if it keeps working, I know a, a common thread I keep bringing up on this pod is, who are these wide receivers that are going to step up for the for the team? If Nick Boyle and Hayden Hurst keep stepping up like they have the next two weeks, I don't care if they never throw to Willie Sneed and Seth Roberts again. You got you got all you need with <laughs> those guys, Mark Andrews and Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, looking back at this game, I uh, I have to kick myself for the bold prediction that I had of having all the ancillary targets get touchdowns because honestly, this game they were very rarely targeted. It was just it was it was that kind of game where. Lamar was kind of looking to the main weapons, at least the the matchups that were on the field. It kind of lended itself well to you know some of those some of those guys that we mentioned, Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown. 
But I think I want to talk about Hollywood Brown for a second, guys, because I'm not super familiar with his injury, but I think it's really interesting that you know we're still trying to get him on the field. But it's I feel like in the last couple of weeks it's been very clear that he is definitely not 100. percent I feel like that opening play to Hollywood was very reminiscent of the same, basically the same play against Miami where he ended up outrunning Minka Fitzpatrick actually for the, for the touchdown. But um, it kind of looked like he didn't have that extra burst this week. You know, there were, I think there was a, a route against New England where he kind of just kind of like lost a yard to kind of like run out to the sideline. So you know, do you guys know anything about this and, you know, what this kind of means for him and the rest of the season? I think it varies player to player, so I can't really say how it's affecting him. I don't know if the coaches are telling him, hey, man, don't don't try to extend the play here. Just get out of bounds. Don't get hit in a hard way. And I'm kind of okay with it right now that he's actively avoiding hits. I think it's safe to say after the last two games, you can tell he's actively avoiding getting hit. As far as that one breakaway play that was just like Miami, I don't know if it was a lack of burst or he tripped himself up. Every time I watch it, he's so fast, I can't really tell what happened. (laughs) But yeah, he kind of immediately fell after catching it. Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, official injury designation in addition to the ankle, which I'm assuming is the the list Frank from prior to to when the Ravens drafted him. They also have a thigh injury listed, which I think is... I don't remember anything about a, a thigh injury as part of what was keeping him out of training camp and on the limited snap count. So that may be new. Um, I will say, regardless of, of what we know or don't know about his health, it's very promising to, that we're seeing even glimpses of what he's going to be, you know, comparing him to, uh, you know, some some Ravens fans, not many, but you did hear some whispers of, of if, is he going to be Perryman 2.0 when we drafted him and he wasn't even running at, at that point. It's huge for us to see actually see some returns on this guy while he's suffering through this injury because we're starved. We're starved for legit wide receivers. We've been that way for a while, but if he can get healthy, then we've got a future pro bowler here. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Peter. Definitely by far of what we've seen from him right now. I mean, I, I think we have enough to say that he's going to be a good player once you know he can get healthy. I think it's kind of interesting just to know that he's clearly still, there's something still bothering him, you know, because you can see that he does not look 100%. But it's just a matter of like, when is, you know, when is he going to be 100%? Is this going to be like in a couple of games? Is this going to be a next year thing? You know, are, you know, what sort of risk are we taking by having him out there with this injury? Clearly, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, I think the medical staff and the coaches would have identified it. Like if, if they thought that there was serious risk there, they wouldn't be playing him. But yeah, it's just curious because you don't see too many guys, I guess, like this playing through those types of injuries. Well, Jimmy Smith, I believe, had the same injury, and he was saying that it's something you just end up living with and dealing with, and sometimes it's worse than others, but I don't think he has a, like, a high probability of re-injuring, per se. It's just some soreness that he might that just might linger for a while, and sometimes it's worse, sometimes it's not so bad. I will say, though, it was the first preseason game. We watched this guy play, and we were like, dang, well, the first pre- preseason game he played, like, dang, Looks like this guy can ball. 
I hope that the Ravens keep drafting guys that after the first preseason game or so, you're like, dang, this guy can ball. Because Lamar <laughs> can ball, Hollywood can ball. They're starting to have some hits here with the balling. And I mean, even Hayden Hurst, I know he had a slow start, but he's been, I think in a world where we didn't have this like crazy tight end scheme, he'd be a, a number one tight end on some other team doing great work. Yeah, I, I think the best thing you can say about Hurst right now is when his numbers called you know he's he's gonna deliver to play. He's hasn't had that many big plays this year, but you can count on him for anywhere between two to five solid catches a game that are gonna get you, you know, somewhere between five to fifteen yards so far. And we'll see if he evolves into more of that. I still think it's funny. I know we we keep waiting for Hurst to do more, but I feel like if if it if the production was opposite, if Hurst was having Andrews production and Andrews was having Hurst's production, we would, we would think, oh well, that's exactly what we expect because of where those players were drafted. They would be kind of performing based on what you expect to get as return from those positions. Usually, obviously, I think Dennis Pitta was a fourth round pick, wasn't he? Right. He obviously had some a couple tight end one seasons for the Ravens. Would have had more if he hadn't gotten hurt. I think Hurst is doing a great job in the limited role that he has. And I think, you know, we don't see it too much, but I think those three guys, Boyle, Andrews, and Hurst, are really tight, and they're all rooting for each other. I saw on the telecast when when Boyle got his uh, his touchdown against New England, and Hurst and Boyle were sitting next to each other on the bench. They went to sit down after the celebration, and, and Hurst just kind of grabs, grabs Boyle's shoulder pads and gives him a celebratory shake and pat on the back. So... I think it's another, this is kind of transitioning to a new topic, but I've just been really impressed this year. And we see it a lot in a lot of Ravens teams, but I feel like this team, even more so than some in years past, really just seems like a brotherhood. And they really all seem like it's all about the team. And these guys aren't really too worried about about who gets to, who gets to eat uh, on offense, who's making the big plays on defense, just as long as the team keeps winning and I think especially with this offense where so much is centered around Lamar and some guys are going to be getting less less shots, like you're saying, Hayden Hurst in a more traditional passing offense is probably getting more production than he's currently getting. It's good to see these guys buy into that, even though their stats aren't going to be as good as they would be in that situation. Right. And that's absolutely the key too. You have to keep winning to be able to buy into that culture. If you're not winning... People want to go to greener pastures to, you know, either get the volume catches that they want or to go on a team where they can, you know, actually win and, you know, make the playoffs and make a deep run and everything. And, uh, yeah, it's definitely great to see this year. You know, it's something that we do see from some of our teams from time to time, but this year definitely seems like something special, something we haven't seen in, in, a, in a little bit, at least a couple of years. Yeah, and as far as the record is concerned, I think this is the best start the Ravens have had since the Super Bowl year. I think they were 7-2 and two through nine games that year. I'm 90% sure you're right. Yep. Yeah, so week 10, actually this kind of a little bit mirrors what we saw this past Sunday. Week 10 in 2012, the Ravens defeated Oakland in a similar beatdown fashion, 55-20, and 20, to move on to 7-2 and two on the season at that point, so... I mean, that's a good parallel right there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's been a really great start. And I will say that earlier in the season, we had those two losses that were pretty hard losses on our team. 
I was like, man, my 12 and four prediction of their record is starting to fall apart. And I think I might say 11 and five on this podcast, but like updated to 12 and four and someone else asked me. And uh, now I'm watching and I'm like, all right, looking good. <laughs> like it's a, it's a good start. And I'm super excited for this game coming up next week. Just because I tell you, man, if we, we haven't won five games in a row in a really long time. If we win six games in a row, I would love to know how long it's been since we've done that. We'd have to look up the stats to, to see how long it's been since that's happened. Yeah, I mean, even if you're looking at the Super Bowl year, their longest regular season win streak was four games. So that would probably... I saw a stat about the five thing. I, I was just saying, like, yeah, it's, it's hard to win that many games in a row. It is. Yeah, even in 2011 and 2010, when they went 12-4... and four, they just they had the losses speckled in there so that their longest win streak at any point then was four games. They did take a, a four-game win streak into the playoffs in 2010. So if you want to count that, that would have been a five-game win streak. It might have been since, uh, since 2006. 2006, after the bye week, they had a five-game win streak. So you're digging back pretty far there. Well, in his first NFL action, Ryan Finley got to face a defense that was not particularly kind to him. <laughs> Our uh, midseason pickup, Marcus Peters, completely hoodwinked him into a play, which I thought was really interesting. There's a good film study I have uh, in the show notes that shows how Peters is really good at being able to tell where people line up and predicting routes based on that. And because you had trips to the left-hand side and only one receiver to the right, uh, and that one wide receiver was pretty close to the line, one could assume that they were going to be making an outside, like an out-route play. And Peters just purposely was playing a little behind and then just cut right up in front to intercept the ball once the bait was taken and go all the way to the house. But that was not the only touchdown. Let's talk about Tyus Bowser, guys. Yeah, Bowser... We still want to see a little more from the guy, but he's answered the call when his, the, his fellow 2017 draft classmate, Tim Williams, got cut earlier this season. He had a pretty good game yesterday, three tackles, a couple quarterback hurries, and he was right there when Patrick Ricard forced that fumble, and he was right there, scooped it up, and just smelled end zone the entire way. So great to see Bowser get that play. And hopefully that's, he's just going to continue to build on his previous games and yesterday's game and just develop into a solid pass rusher for this team. I tell you what, man, Rich Gannon is so in love with Patrick Ricard and Nick Boyle. He was <laughs> singing his praises yesterday. Well, Nick Boyle, we know why, why that is because they're both Delaware alumni. <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. But yeah, man, pa- yeah, Patrick Ricard, man, he is just so good in his role on both sides of the ball. He's springing key blocks for Lamar and Mark Ingram and all those guys touching the football and the offense. And then he goes over on the defense and makes a huge play. That was an insane hit on Finley to force that ball out and for Bowser to pick it up. So he has just been having a fantastic season for us. It's really great to see. I do love seeing it. I think there were two big differences this game from the last time we played Cincinnati. We talked about Ryan Finley and how he kind of didn't do much to impress. But the other thing that changed is that Mixon went from completely unable to run 
against the Ravens to just a very porous defense. So, and, and Mix took advantage of it being the quality player that he is and just he got a lot of yards from scrimmage and I'm a little concerned about this Pierce injury. It was clear that even though he came back into the game, he was not well as he did leave the game again and we haven't heard yet what the status is of his injury. Yeah, that is the one thing you can take away from yesterday's game and have some concern about. Now, part of what Mixon did uh, yesterday was volume aided. He did only average 3.8 yards per carry. His long run of the day was only 15 yards and no touchdowns to the air or on the ground. But still, this guy struggled not just against the Ravens, but against a lot of teams this year, as I'm sure Alec will can tell us all about. <laughs> but Yes, he has. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you want to poke a hole in anything about yesterday's game, it was, again, when one of, the, one of our two big guys up front goes down, who's going to step up and plug the, plug the holes in the run game? And Zach Sear, at least yesterday, was not the guy for that. Yeah, Siler was a little frustrating. He got some decent penetration in a couple of plays, but just couldn't take down Finley. And I mean, for a guy who we have absolutely no game film on, and you know, he didn't look like a Lamar Jackson 2.0, you would think that we'd be able to come out with a couple more sacks, but just wasn't enough to get it done. Yeah, definitely knowing that Michael Pierce is an unrestricted free agent next year, it does make you a little concerned that if we let him walk... Maybe the run defense will take a hit because we haven't seen anything out of Mac yet in his uh, mostly inactive games. But even when he has been active, it hasn't been uh, much to talk about. Yeah, I mean, we'll have to see. We'll probably talk about this more when we get closer to the offseason. Hopefully that's not for a while. Yeah, not until like mid-February or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I have a feeling that the Ravens are going to be going uh, pretty heavy on the defensive line, outside linebackers uh, for next year. I feel like that's some depth issues that we've been having for a while. It's pretty common for, you know, either Pierce or Williams to go out and then, you know, we have kind of a big hole in there because we rely on those two guys a lot, even though we rotate them out with a lot of packages. You know, we do want to have that base package where we can shut down the run. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Uh, I'm no draft expert. I'm definitely not an expert on college scouting. So we'll have to uh, wait for more information to come out to see who the Ravens might pick up at that point. But it's definitely interesting. On that note, do we want to segue to MVPs? Any other points on this game? I think we have to actually talk about Lamar being awesome for a second. (laughs) Like we, we I mean, the whole team's just been (laughs) so awesome. Like, we, we forgot to talk about the GOAT, the MVP. Chris and I were talking about it before the podcast even started. You know you're watching an all-time great NFL play when you see it happen, you internally recognize that's an insane play, and then immediately you're looking at Twitter, you're, you're hearing the announcers, and everyone is saying that's one of the greatest runs of, of all time. That play that Lamar had, that 47-yard touchdown run where he broke the ankles of half the Bengals' defense that was on the field at the time, you know that play is already eternally stitched in his career highlight reel. Every time now until the end of time when NFL Network (laughs) or ESPN is talking about Lamar Jackson, that play is going to be in the highlight reel. Yeah, I 
I'm still I'm still blown away, man. Watching it live, I audibly was like, "Holy crap!" And it's very like I feel like it's very rare for me sometimes. Like you know, we get an interception, we get a fumble recovery, I'll pump my fist, you're like, "Yes," you know, I'll do that. But I feel like it, that's that's just it's very rare. I think to see that to be just be like, "Holy crap!" You know, what did I just watch? And that was certainly one of those plays. I'm so glad it happened in the second half of the game because Rachel had a 24-hour shift the night before and she was sleeping during the first half of the game. And um, yeah, that was a play I couldn't control myself. You know, I just started doing hollering because, you know, I'll try to keep it down. Like when they were just like, you know, going down the field, like nice, nice, nice. But then <laughs> when he did that, I was like, woo boy, you know, like, there it is. And Rachel was like, she was in the closet, um, putting away some of the laundry she was doing and she's like yay sports and i was like oh man understatement of the weekend (laughs) (laughs) i was like lamar jackson just pulled off a historic play like they're gonna be playing this forever and like you said man it's like immediately pull out twitter you just see everyone being like holy cow like (laughs) this guy is wild my only gripe with the whole thing has nothing to do with the actual play whatsoever because it's still awesome. Is just how it's been very common, I feel, to have a take on Lamar Jackson to say he's like a video game type player. He can only do things that you can do in video games. I want to know, guys, <laughs> what level of Madden are you playing on to be able to make plays like this? Because if you play on all Madden, you're not making any plays like this. I mean, it's just not possible. Your all, linebackers all are insane in all Madden. <laughs> All Madden was last week. This week was rookie. <laughs> this week was rookie. <laughs> That's right. Okay. All right. We're glad oh, we could man. clear that up. But guys, I was telling you before the show, I, it has to be stated today that that play, although being the highlight play, isn't the play that I think is going to make defensive coordinators nervous. They already knew that this man could spin move, juke you out of your shoes. But what they hadn't seen as often this year is when an unblocked blitzer is coming straight at Lamar Jackson. He stands tall in the pocket and delivers a laser beam touchdown pass to Hollywood Brown. I mean, that was the play where I was just like, yeah, yeah. Kid, you're going to win the MVP. Like, (laughs) I'm convinced at this point, if he doesn't get hurt, there's no way he doesn't win the MVP because this team is not doing any of this stuff without him. Yeah, that was a big time play being able to stand in the pocket and deliver an absolute laser. I mean, those those kind of plays were what elevated, you know, Joe Flacco in that 2012 playoff to eventually make it the Super Bowl. He was standing in the pocket just delivering lasers, getting hit and hit. I remember watching some of the uh, film from the AFC Championship game where the Patriots were just so frustrated at Flacco because he was just literally unflappable. You'd hit him and hit him and hit him again, and he would just keep throwing those lasers. And Lamar can keep doing that, man. Exactly. He is going to be in that. He is, I think, already at like the top of that conversation. You keep seeing more of those plays. Man, he is just going to be so good. He is already so good. And it's just amazing to know that he's just even, he like not even scratch the surface of like what this man can do. It's just I can't believe it. I cannot believe we picked this guy up at number 32. It's insane. I know we've, we've talked about this on, on other podcasts. I know most of us, except for Alec, were skeptical last year. <laughs> and we're like, you know, the fumbles are being a problem. Like, we're not sure. Like, will it last? But like, 
this year has been absolutely unbelievable. We just have never had a type of player like this in Ravens franchise history. I mean, nay, in like in Baltimore sports history, I nay, would even say NFL history. Like these players are these are rare players. He's a generational player. Wow, like, just wow. <laughs> you know, I was kind of I was talking to a friend today, and I was saying to him, you know, I kind of wish we had the podcast last year because we had a lot of these same co- side conversations and text message as we do now. Uh, we just weren't recording it, and I remember when we started having our 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 foils and our losses before the bye week and then and Joe got hurt and Lamar comes in. I was I was kinda calling for Lamar to come in early because he was having such incredible running production when they had Flacco out and it was ten versus eleven, right? And I was like, dude, imagine what this guy could do when it's eleven versus eleven. And I, I was just so like, they need to put Lamar in, they need to put Lamar in. And I was thinking to myself, like, everyone talks about uh Harbaugh, how he might have to go if he didn't put Lamar in. It's kind of just like, man, but like the real question was, why did he not put Lamar in sooner? Like it's, I'm just glad that we're getting to see it now. It's so cool. Well, to that point, I think the main reason that Lamar wasn't in there earlier, aside from Flacco's contract, which is actually, I think the number one reason was that this team didn't want to rush the guy. And I think that you still have to commend the the franchise for having a, a plan in place. The plan was that you know Flacco would be healthy enough for the Ravens to compete for the playoffs that year and they surrounded Flacco with some some better talent than the the previous seasons in in John Brown and and Willie Sneed and obviously drafting Hurst and, and Andrews and he who must not be named Absolutely yes. <laughs> I, I see I see you noticed who I left off the list. Um <laughs> exactly. I, I see now it was intentional. <laughs> and if you think about it, like if if Tucker doesn't miss that extra point, if the guy who we haven't named yet catches that touchdown pass in Cleveland, then all of a sudden the Ravens are are six and three instead of four and five after nine weeks. And if Flacco's not hurt, then the Ravens still have a legitimate shot at the playoffs. So you've really got to, you know, we keep giving this perfect baton handoff from Ozzy to DaCosta you know, all these props because they've really handled it seamlessly. You know, last year, the Ravens had a plan for if if Flacco played like 2014 Flacco and they had a plan if, you know, if they needed to put Lamar in. And I just think, you know, Mm -hmm. seeing all this hype that's in some of these franchises that isn't, you know, delivered upon, you know, Cleveland, uh, you got to just love this front office and how... Whatever happens, they got a plan. I guess one last point on Lamar Jackson. He only missed on two throws all game long. One of them was thrown to the dirt intentionally. So the one time he missed all game long was a pass that was very catchable that, you know, just Anderson didn't come down with. You know, he had a perfect quarterback rating, his second of the year. Very few quarterbacks have had two in a season, let alone two in their career. Uh, I was seeing a list and it seems like very possible, given his uh, quick start to perfect games, that he's going to have like the all-time record for perfect games. <laughs> like, and I guess maybe it, it helps that his volume's pretty low, but it's incredible how efficient he is. You can't understate that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean the you know the efficiency is definitely a huge part of that. But fortunately, it plays right into the style of game that we want to play with Lamar Jackson. We want to be able to run the football a lot, be able to control the game how we want to control it. 
which is, you know, run the football as efficiently as we can, whether it's with Lamar, with Ingram, with Edwards, with Justice, whoever, and then make some big-time throws, whether it's over, over the top to Hollywood or just throwing underneath to Andrews and Boyle and Snead and everybody, you know? So that that absolutely will – I have no doubt in my mind that we'll probably get a couple more of those. But, yeah, like, I mean, he had just a an amazingly efficient game. Made the throws he had to. Some were easy. Some were not so easy. That pass that you mentioned to Hollywood Brown was one of those throws. I think there was a really tight window throw he had to Boyle, which picked up a first down in the third quarter. Also, I looked at it. I was like, yeah. man, I was really surprised that wasn't intercepted. But he fitted in there, and Boyle got the first down. I was like, wow. Just well, wow. he intentionally threw it behind him so that the defender couldn't intercept it. So, yes, Boyle had to make an adjustment on the ball, but it was actually kind of in the perfect spot because if he did lead him, yeah, there's a high probability of uh, of either a deflection by the defensive back or an interception if uh, there's a bobble. Right. Yeah, that was uh, one of the plays that one of the, uh, the film study guy pointed out that it was just perfect, perfect ball placement, even though you might think it was actually not. But if you looked at it, it actually that's kind of where he had to deliver it. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I thought it was a great play. It was just one of those that I kind of pointed out of like, you know, it was a, a really great throw from him to be able to fit that one in there because at least from the broadcast, it just it didn't look that way. But I feel like I'm kicking myself. We uh, we all missed the bold prediction of RG3 getting in on the fourth quarter. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> Who? Yeah, it I was a layup. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't know how bold that was, but. <laughs> I don't know. It would have been pretty bold. Uh, um. I would have called it bold. I would have called it bold. I guess you're right. Yeah. I would have definitely called it bold. Because he had a whole quarter. Like, <laughs> if, if it was like, oh, he came in for one drive at the end. His whole 15 minutes. Yeah. No, you guys are right. You guys are right. Yeah. Because, yeah, after the first quarter, I was like, yeah, he's definitely going to come in. There's, like, not even a chance that this goes Gosh. any other way. I'm just going to say, I think there is no chance of the Ravens getting at least five sacks in a game going forward this year if they couldn't get more than two in this game yesterday <laughs> i understand that finley we now know is you know a quick it got tries to get it out of the pocket quick um quick release quarterback but still banged up offensive line and and only two sacks but anyways we've talked about so many positives about this team after yesterday's game as we should i don't want to end on a on a negative i think it's worth noting though that they are de- our offenses are definitely scheming against our defense to throw quick passes. I've seen it in every single game uh, at this point. I think, I don't know if it's saying that our pass rush can't get there at all. I think it's just the way that they're playing against us. They're thinking that's the best way forward is quick passes. What about these purple pants? I'm, I'm curious about the pants thing. Oh, <laughs> so this is just, just me with a, a very trivial comment here. I am not a fan of these, of these purple pants that the Ravens have been wearing this year and it's been grinding my gears. So I was very excited to see that the Ravens <laughs> did not wear the purple pants. And when we re- see this Lamar Jackson insane run for years to come, it will be in <laughs> the much better looking, you know, white Jersey with the white pants rather than this goofy looking black helmet, white Jersey, purple pants. It's just too much, in my opinion. Too many colors. I think their best road look is the white jersey with the black pants. I think it looks sleek. I don't mind the white on white, but the white on purple has to go. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. The the purple with like the black and white stripe. Those yeah, pants. I, 
I think it looks fine with the Vikings. I guess maybe because their helmet actually is purple. I think it just kind of looks weird with our black helmet. And I'm not a fashion expert in any sense of the of the word. Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, if we were, then we wouldn't have you know crazy NFL uniform. You know, exactly. A lot of the, a lot of the right. colors are kind of ridiculous. <laughs> and and uniforms are subjective. So I always find it I always find it fun to hear people's opinions on on jerseys, what they like, what they don't like. So if anyone was ever curious of me. My favorite is when the Ravens wear the black jersey with the white pants like they wore against New England, and my least favorite is whenever they wear the purple pants. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's good to know. I actually, I kind of like them. The I love the all-black look. I, I don't know whether it's my favorite, but that's definitely one that I have liked before, but I will say that I am wasn't a huge fan of the of just how the black pants looked because I think they were just kind of boring. They were just plain black pants with like the, the B logo on the side. So I at least give it to the purple ones that they're a little bit more interesting with the stripe, but yeah, I guess I can see it. The all white though is, is, you know, just kind of a classic, like clean look. It'll look nice for any teams really. Yeah. I I mean, my first Jersey ever was a white Ed Reed Jersey and uh, I prefer the white on white as well. I wouldn't go so far as to say, I thought the purple looked goofy, but um, I definitely think you're right, Peter, that it's not... Of all the choices, I think the white pants are the way to go. I wouldn't choose black. I'd probably have purple in the middle. And uh, But I think the outlier that no one's talking about is those purple camouflage pants that uh, <laughs> I was rocking 12 years ago to the day when Peter and I actually had honor rose tickets to see the Ravens then lose to the Bengals <laughs> in a game where not only Steve McNair played, but Kyle Bowler. And uh, let's just be happy and grateful that that's not the era of football we're watching anymore. That is true. Yeah, that, that brought me back when you when you shared that photo this morning. I, had, uh, I hadn't forgotten about that, but it wasn't on the, on the forefront of, of my memories. <laughs> Probably because the game was so bad. It was awesome when we were all down there pregame on the field, but... <laughs> Yeah, that was not that was not one of the Ravens' better seasons. Yeah, that's when the Bengalis were on the scoreboard. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we had a lot of fun this episode. Let's close it out by talking about the MVPs. In my opinion, my MVP is going out to Ricard because that guy plays on both sides of the ball, forced the fumble that went all the way into the end zone, and I like I said earlier in the pod, he's one of my favorite players on the team, and. I, it's great to see him succeed like that and for have <laughs> rich gannon just gushing about him it's awesome i'm gonna give my mvp to the other guy rich gannon was gushing about tight end nick boyle this guy you know he's been blocking for the ravens all year in the past two games he's really stepped up as that guy that we keep calling out like who's gonna be the other offensive guy to step up outside of andrews ingram and hollywood and Boyle's really had two pretty good receiving games in the past two weeks. And yeah, just love what I'm seeing from Boyle right now. Well, dang, guys. You took both my answers. That's what I was going to say. You got to be quicker. <laughs> I was afraid of that. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Man, <laughs> I was, I, I, was, I, was I jumped say, in there and I was like, people, people was like, definitely say Ricard. I feel bad because we didn't write it down beforehand. <laughs> uh, no, that's okay. No, man. I'll, you know. Dude, we've been gushing about Lamar. I can't, I can't give him the MVP just because we got to shout out the other guys. But he would definitely be, you know, my original first choice. Of that guy is just insane. I'll, I'll go Mark Andrews. Let's round out the uh, the tight end crew, the uh, the blocking crew. I mean, he absolutely took control of this game with two touchdowns. Could have had a third 
you know, that one pass that you mentioned, Alec, that uh, that wasn't a throw into the dirt. That was actually a legitimate drop. You know, that was on Andrews. He could have had three. Just definitely completely dominated this game. Showed us that he still had some hands. A couple weeks ago, we were a little bit worried out in Seattle. We thought he had lost his hands, but he still got them and still balling out as usual. So, you know, good job to Mark. All right. So on that note, that's how the Ravens did against Cincinnati. Came in, dominated, took care of business. Hope you guys enjoyed our recap and thoughts on what happened. Uh, Stay tuned for later in the week as we preview what seems like is going to be a much harder but not unsurmountable opponent in the Houston Texans next week. Yeah, we look forward to recapping that game, Peter. Just a reminder for everybody, check us out uh, at Ravens Recap on Twitter. Email us your feedback at feedback at ravensrecap.com. Check us out wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Let us know if you can't find it. We'll make sure we put it up. And we'll see you all next week. Go Ravens. You know how many little kids in this country will be wearing number eight playing quarterback for the next 20 years? I can't wait to see it. When I get over the bird, I've got to get right now. It's right. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. It's right. Start with one.